0: we've been going through the book of John. Um, Last week Jim uh, spoke from John 13, the start of chapter 13 in the book of John. So if you'd open up with me to verse 18 of chapter 13 in the book of John, that's where we're just moving along now. Last week Jim covered the first part where it talks about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And uh, today we're going to have a look at the Last Supper, having a look at having dinner with Jesus. Now, John devotes almost half of his gospel to the last week before the crucifixion. And every moment is significant. There's so much significance in all the moments leading up to the crucifixion that John has devoted almost half of his gospel to it. So today we're just going to go verse by verse through this part of John 13 where we're looking at the Last Supper. So we're going from verse 18. It says, I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. Now, another version says, has lifted up his heel against me. The one who eats my food has lifted up his heel against me. What does Jesus mean when he says this? He knows his disciples. He knows these men. He has spent three years with them and he's Jesus. So he knows them. He knows their thoughts. He knows their motives. He knows their plans. And he says, I don't say this to all of you, but there is a friend here at my table who has lifted his heel against me. There is a friend here At my table, who has turned against me. Jesus chose for a disciple one who would betray him. Way back in John 6, 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 70, Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. Jesus chose 12, but he knew there was one that was going to betray him. Now, the scripture where he says this fulfills the scripture, the scripture he's speaking of is Psalm 49, 41 verse 9. And it says this, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Now, this was written by David after Ahithophel turned against him. Ahithophel was David's friend and he was his trusted advisor. But when David's son Absalom decided to try and bring David down, Ahithophel deserted David and joined Absalom in his infamy, if we can say that. Joined Absalom in his attack on David to try and bring David down. And Jesus quotes what David has said. However, there's a part that he leaves out. David in Psalm, 49, his, Psalm 41, sorry. he says, Even my own familiar friend whom I trusted, Whereas Jesus just left out that trusted part. Jesus just said, the one who eats my food has turned against me. He has lifted his heel against me. Lifted his heel against me was an expression used in the ancient world, which the picture being drawn is of a horse that when its master goes anywhere near behind it, the horse kicks the master. And it was an it was an expression they used to describe contempt, treating someone with absolute contempt. If you have contempt for someone, you have lifted your heel against them. And Jesus says, someone here has lifted their heel against me. But he doesn't say someone whom I trusted. David said, someone whom I trusted, who is eating at my table, has lifted their heel against me. Because he was so close, had such a great friendship with Ahithophel. And then Ahithophel, No, Ahithophel turned against him. And he says, someone who I had at my table has turned his heel against me. See, David was blindsided by Ahithophel's behaviour. But Jesus knew exactly what was going on. Jesus knew exactly what Judas was up to. So Jesus didn't actually say someone whom I trust because he knew Judas wasn't trustworthy. But he said, someone who is my friend has turned against me. See, Jesus gave closeness, he gave friendship, he gave love to the person he knew would betray him. The betrayal moved him further along in God's plan. Jesus gave friendship to Judas because the the betrayal was always God's plan. There would be a betrayal. So Jesus didn't push Judas away even though he knew what he was up to because it was moving him along more towards God's plan. How much do we love God's plans when they are easy to fulfill? How much do we love God's plans when they fulfill our plans? Don't we love it when God fulfills our plans? Jesus made a trust, not trusted. Jesus made a close friend of someone he knew would betray him because he was here for one purpose and that purpose was the cross. And that betrayal moved along the plan to take Jesus to the cross. Verse 19, he says, he says this. He's talking to the disciples at the Last Supper. And he says, I tell you this beforehand. So when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. So you will believe that I am the Messiah. How will you believe? Because scripture is being fulfilled in front of you. Scripture is being fulfilled in front of you. So disciples have walked with me for three years, disciples who have heard my teaching for three years, disciples who have come to know me for three years, in case you still can't work it out, I am the Messiah. Watch scripture being fulfilled in the coming times that are happening right now. Verse 20, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the father who sent me. In the same moment, Jesus speaks about his death and about the people he's going to send. Even as he is approaching the cross, even as Jesus knows the betrayal is about to happen, even as Jesus knows he is about to be put to death, he's talking about the ones he is going to send. And he says to them, if they welcome my messenger, in other words, if they welcome you, they're welcoming me. And if they're welcoming me, they're welcoming the Father who has sent me. He's saying to them, I'm about to die, but by the way, I'm going to send you. In one passage, in one moment, he's bringing what sounds like an oxymoron. But he knows he is not, he's not only going to die, he's going to be raised from the dead. So he says, I am about to die. Don't freak out because scripture is being fulfilled. I am about to die, but I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you out in my name. He is letting the disciples know. He is letting Judas know. He is letting Satan know this is not finished. This is just a beginning. This is not finished. Soon I will be sending you out. And when I send you out, do not forget who has sent you. Do not be stopped by persecution. Do not be stopped by betrayal. Do not be stopped by opposition. Don't let your hurt stop you from doing what God has called you to do. See, it may look like the end, but it's just the beginning. It's actually the beginning. It may look like death, but it's actually a birth. It may look like betrayal, but it's actually the next step in God's plan. Don't let your hurts stop you from doing what God has called you to do. When I read this passage, it so puts in my mind that concept of God's big picture compared to our tiny, small, small, pass me a microscope little picture of life. God has this big picture and we go, disappointment. We go, betrayal. Wow, that looks like over. That looks like a total mistake. That looks like I'm completely confused. I don't know what's happening. This all looks wrong because we only see with our microscopic little picture. But God has this big picture. And when that moment of hurt comes, that's not the end. God will use that to a whole new beginning. If a moment of betrayal comes, God will take that and he will use that to bring a whole new beginning. It may look like death, but actually God is bringing about the new birth of something. Let's learn to forget what what things look like and learn to look and see what God is doing. Let's learn to forget what things look like and begin to see what God is doing. And whatever it looks like, do not, forget, do not forget who is sending you and in whose name you do what you do. He's saying to the disciples, whatever this looks like, whatever the stuff that's about to happen looks like, whatever your life after this begins to look like, do not forget who has sent you and whose name you carry. And we need to understand who has sent us and whose name we are carrying, no matter what anything looks like in this mad little world that we are living in at the moment. Verse 21 says, Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering what could he mean? Another version says they were perplexed. The disciples are listening to Jesus. He says, one of you is going to betray me. They're completely perplexed. So he said it, he went there. One of you will betray me. Now there's three times in scripture that that scripture tells us Jesus was troubled. Three times that Jesus was troubled. He was troubled at Lazarus' tomb, he was troubled as he contemplated the cross, and he was troubled contemplating the betrayal by Judas. This moment troubled him. And as so often with the disciples, they're like, huh? We don't know what's going on. So often they don't know what is going on. They are perplexed. Isn't it good that you can still be a disciple of Jesus when you don't know everything that's going on? Isn't it good that you can still be a disciple of Jesus when stuff's happening and it perplexes you? Jesus, I'm perplexed. Jesus, this is troubling. But you know what? I trust you, I'm your disciple. I trust you no matter what this looks like. Each time Jesus was troubled, each time Jesus was perplexed, he put his confidence in God's greater plan. God had a greater plan, and Jesus always put his confidence in God's greater plan. I've been in situations in my life, and maybe you have too, where stuff is happening. It's happening right in front of me, or it's happening around me. And under my breath, I'm saying, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord, because something's happening and it's perplexing. Something's happening and it's troubling. Under my breath, I go, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I've been in situations where whatever's going on in front of me, and quietly, I'm just saying, Thank you, God, for the breakthrough that is coming. Thank you, God, for the breakthrough that is coming. We need to start to see that God has this bigger plan. There's a breakthrough coming. There may be stuff happening in your life now and it is perplexing you. There may be stuff happening in your life right now and it is troubling. But we need to not be looking at that. And even as the stuff is happening, the stuff may be happening right in front of you. I've taught myself to do this. It can be happening right in front of my face and I say, thank you God for the breakthrough that is coming. I say it so the Lord can hear it, not so everyone else and they'll be like, what's she doing, crazy woman? I just go, thank you, God. Thank you for the breakthrough that is coming in this situation. Because I am determined that things that trouble me will not become my perspective. I am determined that my perplex perplexment, new word maybe, that my perplexment will not become my perspective. My perspective will be, Thank you, God, I'm your disciple. Thank you, God, for the plan you have for me. Thank you, God, for the breakthrough that is coming in this situation which looks like the opposite of a breakthrough. Because just when we think the very worst is happening, there's an impetus there for a breakthrough. There's an impetus happening for a breakthrough. There's an impetus happening for a breakthrough in your life right now. But maybe your eyes are only on what's perplexing. Maybe your eyes are only on what's troubling. And I want to say to you today, begin to say thank you, God, for the breakthrough that's coming. Even in the very moment, even in the very moment of stress, if you're in your workplace, in your home, whatever's happening, even in that very moment, say thank you, God, for the breakthrough that's coming. I don't care what I see with my eyes. Thank you, God, for the breakthrough that is coming. Lost my spot. Okay, verse 23. There we go. Verse 23. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to him. They didn't sort of sit at a table and knife and fork and up straight. They kind of reclined back in those days. And it says that the disciple that Jesus loved was sitting next to him, next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, Who is he talking about? He has just said, Someone's going to betray me. So, Peter's like, who is he talking about? Now, this is the disciple Jesus loved. Generally, the commentators agree that this is John. Um, And since John wrote the book, I expect he's saying, I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. Yes. I think Jesus showed so much love to his disciples. They all thought they were the one Jesus loved. That's what I think. And I've decided I'm going to think like that too. People, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. Lena? Sad about yourself, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. Ken, Becky, Brad, Alyssa, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I think Jesus showed them so much love, they all thought, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I must be special, because Jesus just loves me so much. So Peter is like, hey John, ask him what he means. Peter's too scared to ask himself the first time Peter doesn't speak up loud. Imagine, but I think Peter might be thinking, the last time I spoke up, Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan. So I'm not going there, I'm not opening that door today. So Peter's like, John, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. Who does he mean? So John, obedient as always, verse 25 says, Jesus, who is it? Now, Matthew's account, Matthew's gospel account, the disciples, he says that all the disciples start asking one by one, who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? Who is it, Lord? I think Jesus must have scratched his head about them nearly as much as he does about me. Verse 26, Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. Now for a host to offer bread to a particular person was a particular sign of honour and special affection. So if you're at one of these tables and the host takes bread, dips it and hands it to you, this is honour. You're being honoured. You are getting special affection here. And it is Jesus that's hosting this meal. Jesus is hosting a meal for his disciples, including his betrayer. And as we go further in the chapter um, next week, I expect, including his denier. Jesus is hosting a meal for all these people and he's just said, one of you is going to betray me and then he breaks bread, dips it and gives the honour to Judas, the one who's going to betray him. He breaks bread, he dips it and he gives the special affection to the one who's about to betray him. The, but the disciples still I can't work out what's going on. They still can't work out what's going on. Now, I used to think when I read that, Jesus is trying to do some kind of code. He doesn't want to say, hey, it's Judas and point at him. So, he says, the one I do this and just watch, everyone watch because I'm dipping it Then I'm passing you You all know who it is. And I, you know, like some Cold War spy, some special little code. But in fact, it can't be. The disciples don't know what's going on. They're still saying what's happening. Who is it? What's going on? They have no clue what is going on. Because this action in itself doesn't mean a lot to them. Jesus giving Judas special honour doesn't seem to mean anything special to them. And as I said, I think Jesus just gave them so much love. And in fact, one of the commentators said, Jesus must have shown so much love and affection to all of his disciples that when he would give one person special honour, when he would give one person special affection, it didn't even bother them at all. They didn't even notice it. Imagine being so secure in the love of Jesus that you don't even notice when someone else gets special affection. Imagine being so secure within yourself that nothing shifts within you if somebody is raised up over you, if someone is given notice over you, if someone is made to be honoured over you Imagine being so secure in the love of Jesus, you don't even notice. You don't even notice. There's a new person up on a platform. There's a new person given a leadership position. There's a new person being given special affection, special mention. Someone's been put in a position that that maybe could have been mine or whatever. You don't even notice because you're so secure in the love of Jesus. Imagine being that secure. I love that, that we can be so secure in the love of Jesus that there's no jealousy, there's no envy, there's no divas, there's no anything, nothing shifts. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. It's all my security. It's all I need. Jesus loves me. Special mention to others, oh, really, I didn't notice. Jesus loves me. Imagine living life. So secure. Jesus is reaching out in affection to Judas. He's not playing code. He's not playing games with the disciples. Because I used to read that and think, Jesus, just say it. Don't play a game. But he's not. He's constantly reaching out to Judas with love. Even to this point, even at this point where Judas is about to go and betray him, Jesus knows this. Even at this point that Judas is about to betray him unto death, Jesus is still saying, Judas, I love you. Special affection, special honour. You have my love. Judas, I love you. Jesus is reaching out to him and reaching out to him. He never, ever withdraws his love. Even in this moment, again and again, Jesus appealed to Judas' heart. Don't do this thing, Judas. We are friends. We have a special relationship. I love you. Don't do this. But Judas is unmoved. He's absolutely unmoved. And that is the real tragedy here. The real tragedy is that Jesus kept reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, and Judas stayed cold. He's unmoved. Jesus tried to keep Judas from doing what he was planning to do for Judas's sake. Not for Jesus' sake. He wasn't trying to avoid the cross. The cross was happening. The cross was happening. So Jesus wasn't trying to avoid the cross. But, oh, Judas, please don't do this. Don't do this to me. Jesus is trying to stop Judas from doing it for Judas' sake. He's trying to stop Judas from handing himself over to the control of Satan. Judas was handing himself over to Satan's control. And Jesus is saying, don't do it, Judas do it. I love you. I love you. I love you. So verse 27, and here is where it happens. It says, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. How freaky is that? He'd eaten the bread. One of the disciples, Satan enters into him. He walked with Jesus for three years, but he hardened his heart and Satan was able to enter him then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you are going to do. See, Judas thought he was being smart. Judas thought he was making a good decision, but he had actually become a pawn in someone else's game. He'd become a pawn in somebody's game. Now, while the actual handing over of Jesus doesn't come until John chapter 18, and we're in John 13, the actual handing over of Jesus to the soldiers, the result of the betrayal, doesn't happen until chapter 18. Judas handing himself to Satan happens right here at dinner with Jesus. He's having dinner with Jesus and he's handed himself to Satan. And the whole time Jesus is like, Judas, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm honouring you. I'm giving you my affection. Don't do it. The disciples, verse 28, none of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Of course they didn't. They never do. Since Judas was the treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or give some money to the poor. They thought, oh, Judas is going to do something good. He's going to go and help the poor. This is something they often did when there were groups of people. If there was someone who was um, a rabbi, as Jesus was, and they had some disciples, when they'd have their money and one of them would be the treasurer, and that's what Judas was. Interestingly, he was the treasurer, the keeper of the money. Jesus knew he was a, a betrayer and a greedy man. And they would often then go and give money to the poor. They'd have a certain amount of money. Oh, we can spare it or whatever. So they'd go and give money to the poor. So the other disciples are sitting, enjoying supper with Jesus, going, oh good, Judas is going to do a good thing. Or he's going to go and pay our bills. He's doing a responsible thing. None of them knew the battle that was being waged for Judas's soul right in front of them. They're all just having dinner with Jesus. And Jesus is waging a battle for Judas' soul right in front of him. Verse 30 says this, so Judas left at once going out into the night and just like that he's gone, just like that he's gone. All the appeals and the love of Jesus didn't move him, nothing moved him, his heart remained hard. Now we can say and we're just going to close with this, we can be sitting in church, we're God's people, we can say hey sinners, hey sinners, repent, Stop ignoring the appeals of God. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Very valid. But I want to say to us this morning, myself included, hey, Christian, hey, Christ follower, hey, disciple, do you need to repent? I love that the word repent was already used here this morning because I felt in the Lord as I was preparing this, the word repent to be used today. Christian, Christ follower, disciple, repent? Do you need to repent? Are you ignoring the appeals of Jesus about something in your life? You who have just a toe dipped in the world. It's just a toe. I'm just dipping a toe into the world. You who are just playing on the outskirts of the kingdom. You might say, it's just a peek. Just having a little look. I'm just just checking it out. I'm just here on the boundary. I haven't gone over. I'm still at Jesus' table. I'm still here. Jesus is still showing me his love. Jesus is still honouring me. Jesus is still favouring me, even though I'm kind of playing on the outskirts of the kingdom. I've still got Jesus' love. Yes, you have. He will never withdraw it. He will never withdraw it. But for any one of us, this feels like a really hard word this morning, Sorry, but for any one of us, if we harden our hearts to what Jesus is saying, we could be going out into the night and being lost. Jesus appealed and he appealed and he appealed. And when we have stuff in our lives that's not okay, Jesus appeals and he appeals and he appeals and he will not withdraw his love. But Judas, with everything that Jesus did, kept his heart hard he would not soften his heart to Jesus would you stand with me I really felt this morning that I'm not to speak to those who don't have Jesus if you don't have Jesus get on with them and get saved that's it stop wasting your time there you go I've been taught well by the best preachers in the world <laughs> I want to talk to us as God's people I want to talk to us as God's people some people watching online I know that you are know know some people who are watching online we're God's people we're his disciples but one disciple betrayed him another disciple denied him 12 guys 2 out of 12 it's not great odds I'm just going to ask you this morning is God appealing to something in your heart and if he is are you listening? Do you need to repent? Do you need to repent? Is this sin? Is there some darkness? Are you playing on the outskirts of the kingdom? Are you sitting on the boundary? Just saying, I'm just having a look. I know I've got Jesus. I don't have to worry. Judas took himself into utter darkness just by making a bad choice, just by listening to the wrong voice, listening to the wrong influence. So I know this this is a bit of a hard word this morning but we can handle it we've got big shoulders I'm just going to pray and I'm going to ask you if you need to repent don't come and repent to me you don't need to it's not me if you need to repent to the Lord I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I think this is so real for some people I really felt in the Lord this is very real for some people that I don't want to put you in any kind of weird position because it's not about me. But we're all going to bow our heads. I'm going to pray and I'm just going to say to you if you need to repent, do it now. Do it now. Don't let yourself walk outside that door. Don't let yourself cross that boundary. No, even, even those little things, even those little things where you go, it's just, it's just nothing. It's nothing. It's not much. God won't care. He does. He's jealous for you. He loves you. He loves you. He's offering you his bread, the bread that has been dipped. And he's saying, You are the object of my special affection. Don't do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I lift your people up to you, including myself. And Lord, I ask you that you would forgive us for our sins. Lord, if there are people here today and they're playing on the outskirts of the kingdom, Lord, I I invite you to call them back in. Call them back in. Lord, you're holding the bread out. You're holding the bread that has been dipped and Lord, that represents your body and your blood. And we receive it in the name of Jesus. We receive it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we repent. Lord, I share with everyone here who is saying, I repent, Lord, I repent. And Lord, I give you everything. I want to surrender to you. And I speak for everyone here who is in agreement with me, Lord, we surrender to you. Even those little things, the little lies of the enemy that tell us, it's okay, it doesn't really matter. We shut down those lies and we say it does matter because we are the objects of the special love of Jesus. We are the disciples that he loves. I'm the disciple that he loves. You are the disciple that he loves. Lord, receive us, receive our repentance. Forgive us if we need forgiving for anyone here who needs to be forgiven. I ask you, Lord, if they're agreeing with me now, I ask you, Lord, to forgive our sins. We know you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we take hold of the cautionary tale of Judas who walked with you for years and yet his heart was hard. And I ask you, Lord, to soften our hearts. Make us people, Lord, who are so sensitive to your spirit that as soon as there's even a little bit of stuff that shouldn't be there, we'll just, it'll be just so strongly convicted in our spirit that we will just immediately repent and turn back to you. I pray this over every one of us. I pray it over the people watching online. Lord, that we would be people who will immediately know and immediately act, that our hearts will be soft, that we will be moved when you appeal. And Lord, I pray for the people who right now are seeing things with their eyes that are troubling and that are perplexing. And I believe there's many people here this morning, Lord, they're facing stuff and it's perplexing and it's troubling. And Lord, I speak to the eyes of your people, including mine, And I say, see God's greater plan. See God's greater plan. Lord, we will begin to say, thank you, God, for the breakthrough. Lord, we will begin to say, thank you, Lord. We know that you are doing great things. And we will not believe what our eyes see. We will believe what your word says. We will believe who you have said we are. We will believe the promises that you have given us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, and all who agreed said, "Amen." We agree, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite Esther, um, sorry, Alyssa, to come and lead us, and we're just going to close in a song. And I just want to say to you, just begin to ask God to show show in your heart. I, I think that sometimes we have things, and we just think it's such a nothing that we don't realise God is speaking to us. He's appealing to us and he's saying, you need to deal with this because it's a barrier between God and us. So let's open our hearts up to what God is saying. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.